Well, if you give a party, don't lock the door. Turn out all the lights. Cause if you don't let my boys inside, it's going to be a fight. Well, we started out this morning. We're going to rack some heads. Some names know that to call the heat. And now we're laying dead. Well, if you give a party, don't lock the door. Turn out all the lights. Cause if you don't let my boys inside, it's going to be a fight. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to another episode of Crashing the Party with Mark and Miriam. And tonight we've got a two-part show. The first hour or so will be us talking to Prez Tyus, who wrote I'm So Young uh, every day of the week, and my vow to you for the students. And then the second hour will be just us with the usual nonsense and the dog barking in the background. So let's go <laughs> Okay. over to Prez. Today, we've got a very, very special guest indeed. Yes, the author of Every Day of the Week, which we just heard, and also a couple of our most favorite doo-wop songs ever, My Vow to You and I'm So Young, Can't Marry No One, Mr. William Prestias. Hi, Prez. Hello, everyone. What a thrill to have you here. Oh, representing the great city of Cincinnati. Oh, yes, and these very great songs that you recorded with none other than the students. 
Thank you so much for expressing your talents the way that you did in this universal songs of excellence known the world over for all these years and forever. You know that, don't you? Yes, and I want to first thank you both for inviting, all of you for inviting me. Oh, for- it's good to be here and we can tell the world about the music that everybody's been talking about. Yeah, we'd like to get the full true story of your involvement with Cincinnati, the students, and the music business in general. So let's start. You from got the- a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> well, we plan to move you in here for a couple of weeks to get the whole story. No, seriously. Well, you want to start from the very beginning of how you got into music to begin with. What were your influences? And what was going on in Cincinnati with a young guy listening to the radio and aware of the music around him? Well, it's an interesting story, but what happened was many years ago, while in school at Cincinnati at Central Vocational High School, I used to write for the school paper, The Nightlife. There was a gentleman, a custodian named Roosevelt Lee, and he read my column which had rhymes, like down in Mexico, Smokey Joe's Cafe, and used the title of the songs of the day. All this time, of course, I was, I was writing songs, some just lyric, some music, and I told Lee that I wrote songs. He says, wow, I got a group that's looking for some songs. At this moment in time, I didn't know of the group, the name of the group, and what, in fact, their real name originally was the Italians. Aha. I can see why they changed it. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. What what year would this have been? This would have been possibly 57. Okay. Some in the air. All of this is going to be approximate because after all, people don't remember when Lincoln was president except reading about it. (laughs) So yeah, it was a long time ago, but in the around 57 and we were just talking about the column that I wrote every other week in the uh, paper the nightlife and the rhymes and all of that so I told him I had some songs he introduced me to this group which was called they called themselves the Italians and uh, one time we got together and I showed them the lyrics I gave them and this wasn't I'm so young this was a song called zoom 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 you know, in those days, groups made, like you've heard many of your doo-wop hits, they had all kinds of onomatic, all kinds of words that had no meaning. Zoom, 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 there goes my heart, zoom, that type of thing. And they liked it. I wrote zoom, zoom, zoom. And they said, you got anything else? And then I had something called My Vow to You. And again, it didn't really, because when you're auditioning songs, then like now, there has to be something about a song that gets the ear. And at that time, my vow to you didn't, but I'm so young, can marry no one was an interesting title. In fact, they said the title was too long. So they trimmed it down. No, but that's what they, it was copyrighted under that title. Ah. And the reason I bring that up is because why so many people just simply say, so young. Right. Some say, I'm so young, but very rarely can marry no one. But nevertheless, they listened. We talked about it. And incidentally, this was at Roosevelt Lee's home after school that day. 
I think I must have been in, because it was a junior high school, so I might have been in the 8th, ninth, 10th, about the 10th or something like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was long before the song was ever written and recorded. We just worked with the group, and they really started to like it. And then this kid, Leroy King, Great just like, right, just like today, what you feel hearing it, I felt, we felt, they felt. Because in those days, groups looked for lead singers more than they did for background singers. So Leroy had the kind of voice that Richard Johnson, James Bolden, Dorsey Porter, and Paul Ford, the original members of the group, added the background to the song. And Leroy was so young. Yes, 13 years old. Amazing. Because we're all so young. You were. I was the oldest. Richard was next. John Bolden. Dorsey and Paul Ford. Dorsey Porter, Paul Ford were about the same age. Were they already performing at the time that you were? They were doing local shows, gyms. You know, the the usual, you know, in other words, to get known. Because in those days, like perhaps to now, you just want somebody to hear you. But they were, because of Leroy, their group was tremendously popular. So they did sock hops, uh, y, you know, they did local things. They never did much beyond uh, Cincinnati. At that time, were you working with any other uh, groups or trying to pitch the songs or anything? At or? that time, I wasn't even considering songwriting as anything other than some words on paper. Wow. Secondly, I had never... Before I talked to Roosevelt Lee, had ever heard of a group or then whatever. In other words, I didn't look at that. I didn't go out looking for someone to do my songs because I never really had anybody wanted to do my songs. Right. It was only when I saw their reaction, they really liked I'm So Young. And Leroy, you know, when he says, I have a girlfriend, he did it in such a way that a little kid saying that it's just that began the whole thing it really did so how long was it before you got into the studio or even had a notion of approaching someone with a studio to record it was like almost a year later Roosevelt lee knew jerry herman and mel herman mel herman and jerry herman had a record shop in downtown cincinnati they were distributors as well as retail and Roosevelt had told Mel about my song and the group. What was the name of the shop? Do you remember? I actually, I think it was World World Records or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so we all came down, and in the back room, with all those records laying around and all that, we, we listened. Mel didn't like the name, the Italians, and... We, we tried to work out a name. We didn't come up with the students right away. But he did like the songs. And the song was My Vow to You and I'm So Young, but not every other week. And needless to say, no company wants to do two slow songs. They needed a B-side. This, this is going to be their first release, so you got to get something with a little jump to it. Was there already a label associated with that record shop? or? Well, they had their own label out of Indianapolis, mm-hmm. so Note, the, Note Records. And they had a couple of artists 
I'm forgetting names, but there were quite a few people, not a lot, but there were artists that recorded for the group. I think in, Ronnie Indianapolis. Ha- oh, sorry. I think Ronnie Haig was one of them. Yes. Yeah, Ronnie Haig, yes. The Five Dots, The Planets. Um, Trindells. Uh, the Five Souls, The Five Stars. So they had a, they had a few things going, but uh, they had a shop. These brothers had a shop. The Hermans, yes. Yeah, in uh, Cincinnati. Downtown. They yeah. were also distributors. Yes. And they had a record label in Indianapolis. Yeah, the record label was Note Records mm-hmm. out of Indianapolis, which they had a lot of. They had the offices, whatever they had. It was it was a very small time thing. Right. It's not like they had the Note Record building. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not like King in Cincinnati, right? Yes. So uh, do you want to give us a little bit of background on what was going on in Cincinnati at that time? I mean, it really was a huge city for music. In the 50s, going into the early 60s, there were groups like Otis Williams and the Charms. There was the Endeavors. And there were the Dictalians soon to become the students. Uh, so Cincinnati, the home of King Records and Sydney and so on. It was a little hubbub, mm-hmm. very little, because King was the only major if you, major label. Yeah. Anything else like Teenage or anything else was somebody's little tin copy record type thing. Right. So and there, was, was, there was not even many of those in those days, like an independent label. There were no big independent labels in Cincinnati. In the late 50s, early 60s. With King and so on, you, you really weren't a, approached by them or anything like that until after the group recorded and started having success, right? And <clears throat> well, first, was we, we didn't even want to approach King. Yeah. Because when you're in Cincinnati or any little small town around the country, mm-hmm. you want to go to New York City, mm. Los Angeles, Nashville. So it wasn't even a, a thought process at that time, these young kids wanted to go and record for King because King Record was there. That would not seem big time. Well, did Indianapolis so all, seem big time at the time? or did, no, no, no. But that was where the Herman Brothers had their headquarters or whatever they called it. So they took the group there. Did you go with them at that time? No, I, I, I didn't do that until the, the second time around when we went back in the studio. Because when they did, when you ever record anything, as you well know, you got to listen for things that you might miss in the first time, like a mispronounced word, off key, and whatever. Yeah. So the first demo of the record, I, I assume, I wasn't there, but Note Records. It came out of Note Records out of Indianapolis. It was definitely not recorded in Cincinnati at King Records. Right. And then it came out on Note, uh, and then. But what happened, again, in those days and pretty much today, regional situations exist. Where, not unlike today's hip-hop, mixtapes. You do a tape, a record, a demo, whatever, in your little town, you get a DJ to play it, a local DJ. Mm -hmm. And Cincinnati had some really big-time DJs. Larry, Larry Dean, Chucky Jack, Bug Scruggs. A few others. Jackie Jack went on to uh, Motown and became a part of their situation. Okay, so when they went to record the demos, did they record all of the songs at that time for Note, or what did they record for Note? They recorded those three songs, So Young, My Vow to You, Every Day of the Week. 
what happened was the Hermans, mm -hmm. unbeknownst to me, or any of the group, cut a deal with Chess Checker, which is how they were known, to release the song nationally. We didn't know about it until we heard it. Oh, boy. So that means a whole lot of stuff was going on. Okay. Can you tell us about the uh, the backing musicians uh, in Cincinnati, like at these live shows or so on, and then there was who a recorded? A, a guy named Jimmy Coe. He had a little band. And later on, originally the students had their own musicians. Ralph Bird played guitar. There was Wilbur Longmire played also guitar. So we had, they, they had their own musicians. In the early days of music period, particularly this genre, it did not have the tentacles. When you record a song, you probably didn't have a manager at the time, didn't necessarily have a producer, at least in Cincinnati. Other cities, it might have been different. And thus, Mel Herman and Jerry Herman controlled everything. Well, you're talking about uh, these uh, people recording at chess. Did uh, students record at chess as well? The students, the song that they recorded in Indianapolis, mm -hmm. and the song that you hear is basically the same song. But there were other versions of I'm So Young, My Vow to You, and Every Day of the Week. Released? And the difference, no, that's just it. Because we didn't sign with Chess Checker. Merrill Herman signed with Chess Checker. We signed with Note. And all the names that you see on the label, all the publishing, because it was art music, that was another thing. Note Records had a different publishing name. I'm forgetting the name of it, Checker. But it was Arc Records, which was Chess Checker. That was the publishing deal that they signed that we didn't know about until afterwards. So that caused a lot of confusion. You're right, and that's why these dates and things, um, uh, you know, you'd have to be a historian. What is the publisher on Note Records? Tell me the letter and I can tell you that. It starts with a V. I can't see what the rest of it is. Vance. Yeah, right. Vance, V-A-N-C-E. Not yeah. V-I-V-A. Yeah. Ooh. Right. Okay, so but but you're not saying that the versions are different on note and chess and check. No, it's basically the same song. Oh, okay. Uh, the, the Montgomery Brothers played on some stuff that was never released. Where is that stuff? I would love like the, like a version of Misty Ooh. by Misty. the students. Really? See, that's this as you sit here, you're getting a doo-wop coup. Aha, uh -huh, we sure are. <laughs> there are lots of stuff that to this date. Really? Is in somebody's catalog, somebody's vault. Yeah, a song called If I Were King. Yes. And guess, you know what, well, that, that song was uh, Leroy, thing dedicated to Leroy. Wow, okay. How Do You Speak to an Angel? There was another Early one. Morning Dew, Because of You. And the reason that they were never released as singles, the Herman Brothers and the Marshall Brothers never got together in any kind of royalty publishing situation to straighten it out yeah and we didn't know this for years years and years we never knew these existed okay so when the note records came out uh they were just locally popular they didn't really then, do any kind of charting but this is what is known as regional right in other words they were available in ohio indiana kentucky and maybe some in that general they were not, what national is when it's everywhere. Right. Especially when it includes New York City. Okay. So there are many instances where a regional song might reach four or five states. But to, that could be a lot of sales. That's those four, like Ohio, 
anywhere in Ohio, anywhere in Kentucky, right? Anywhere in uh, Indiana. Yeah, that's a nice squad for the moment, and that's what brings the attention of the big guys. Jerry Wexler, particularly, I got to meet him many times. What a person! Wow, he knew music like the Pope knows prayer. I mean, R and B music, R and B specific. Yeah, oh okay. yeah, not not just because they had a label, and also the Erdogan brothers. I mean, that's just a fascinating history. And sitting and talking to you about it, we could never do it in a day. No. We could never do it without really breaking it down like you write a book. So to go random, abstract, and whatever doesn't really tell the story. President, but oh. what you're hearing Sorry. and what I'm remembering, that was a long time ago. Right. Press, do you remember the first time that you heard one of your compositions on the radio? Not only do I remember it, I have a recording in my mind. Ah. It was, actually what happened was, my father had a restaurant uh, in, called the Buckeye Chili Parlor. And in Cincinnati at that time, there were not many places that black entertainers could eat. We had, we, we, before it was called soul food, we had soul food. So a lot of the sports stars, entertainment, whatever, any, you know, the entertainers' names, they would eat at our father's restaurant. And obviously we had a jukebox. And So Young was on it. And I was just a little thing. Not really little, but young. And interestingly, in the fun, how people said, that's your son, Mr. Buckeye. They called my father Buckeye. His name was Tyus. But hearing it in the, on the jukebox before the radio, because it didn't immediately get airplay, but when you're a record distributor, you invariably have a hookup with jukebox owners. And again, a lot of factors. So they would put it on the jukebox. Wow. And people would play it, and it would get to the attention. The main station in Cincinnati was WCIN. And I got to know all the jocks. Big did, Daddy, Fat Daddy, whatever. Yeah. And they loved the song. So the records <coughs> made it into the charts quickly? Locally, or? locally. Mm-hmm. Whatever kind of strutting they had. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it didn't make it to the national choice to the 60s, 61, 62. It made for, it, to my surprise, seeing it 100 years later, it was pretty high on the chart for that area, for that music. Nationally, what, where did it peak? The highest it went, I think, was about 39. It's a big thing. And plus it got covered. By everybody and his mama. Yeah, that's right. And also, it brought the students to New York to the Apollo. Do you have gold records for sales? No, not as I know. I've never seen it. Many artists around the country and around the world may have made the mistake that we made, particularly in Wa. You let somebody else do the signing, doing all of this. The Hermans, we never knew much about anything. All that Richard, Richard Johnson has been the greatest thing because I think it's only two left, not three. Ralph Byrd, Dorsey Porter, and Richard Johnson are the surviving members of the original students. Leroy King, Paul Ford, and John Bolden are deceased. John Bolden was killed in a drug deal in L.A. So the three left, in fact, Ralph Byrd played with Ray Charles for several years and there are videos and music that he was on. But what I'm trying to say, 
is that was another era. This is the 50s. That if you didn't have a lawyer, if you weren't studious, the only thing was getting a car and being famous in your town in your time. And having spent some spending cash. Yes. So in other words, we started out, the only thing we had in our pockets was lint. <laughs> so when we got, we didn't call them Benjamins, we just called them $100 bills. Yeah. And just think of $50 in the 50s and early 60s. And also, we didn't really have great hopes for the song. The Hermans knew something we didn't know because later on, the Beach Boys shared the publishing with ARC. And they recorded it uh, on their album. Shared the publishing with yeah. the Beach Boys nice. today. Huh. Right. So I mean, this is a story that's to be told. And as I said, you can call this the doo wop coup, and tell all the fans around the world that, as you've seen, so many great artists, even names. Sam Cooke was the most studious. He still his estate, and you know who was very, very astute about the publishing and music. Who's that? I defy you to name. He was around way before we were. Lloyd Price. Really? That's yeah. right. That's Lloyd right. Price, to this date, and he's still with us, owns anything and everything that his name is on. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Can I get a witness, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that is the truth. And Sam Cooke later on. Well, Sam Cooke had... Uh Alan Klein looked yes. after his. And you can tell what the Rolling Stones and the Beatles said. Right. So you know. See, as bad as it hurts me, I know bigger names also suffered the same. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because these well, people. But, yeah, but you didn't know. I mean, who knew about publishing back then? Only publishing I thought was the books we read in school. Right. So it was kind of a drag. So when when the group was, uh, was hitting and when... Uh, things were going well were there package tours or oh what? they toured with everybody like Shirley and Lee Ray Charles Bo Diddley Chuck Berry Etta James most all of the uh, chess checker artists Muddy Water because most of the groups just like when you speak of uh, Alan Freed the group's music was of that genre they didn't have they did have Lou Walter and a, uh, Howling Wolf but as a rule, there were other doo-wop groups. Yeah, the moon glows were on chess. Yes, definitely yeah. the moon glows. Yeah. They were headliners, I think. Oh, sure. Yeah. VJ Records were owned by a black group. Right. Big time. Yeah. They had the Four Seasons. They had the Beatles. But they didn't have the money. And they, they weren't as wise as others. They did have your Abner, who knew a lot. Yeah. But he went to Motown. Right. So that didn't help them none. But just imagine at another time and place, way before Motown, way before Barry Garding, VJ was the, they had the Eldorados. Yeah. And which was one of my all time, at my front door. Crazy little mama coming, nah, nah. It's a great record. Love it, love that. Yeah. But they had a few artists. But then again, Checker was no slot when it comes to rhythm and blues. No, no. Jan Bradley. Yep. Fontella Bass. And on and on. And, I, and a great, one of the great things was I got to meet all of them, talk with them, hang with them or whatever. And that was a, it's a beautiful memory planted in the garden of my mind. Mm. 
with the students, what happened? I, what exactly happened? The big question for me was, what happened to Leroy King? Again, when I tell the story, retell it, I try to encapsulate, because you can say what happened, they did this drug, whatever, this is not the case. The one thing that goes back is in those days, as you said, Mark, people were not astute. All they wanted to do was do a record, be famous with their girlfriends, maybe drive a car. It almost sounds uh, kind of like racist to say they just wanted to get a Cadillac. Right. But that was really the case. Mm -hmm. A lot of instances, the record labels knew, get a car, get their mind off the checks. <laughs> Ride around town in a new Cadillac. Hey, it really did work back then. And I'm just one of tens of thousands in every aspect of the industry. Not just there were songwriters that didn't get the royalties. There were writers, artists, producers, all many individuals that today someone's taking the fame that had nothing to do with it. Well, Leroy never recorded again after those records, well, did he? Like, again, I keep interjecting with, at the risk of being repent, you know, going over and over. The bottom line was I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> yeah, okay. King Records was the only major label. If you wanted to get a record, you'd have to know somebody, do some recording, and maybe send something to a New York City label. The Isley Brothers had a management situation that we didn't have. By the time I was able to be their manager, a guy named Sears, I don't remember his first name, took over the group because he had more resources than I had at the time. And thus they got caught up in the car, the ring and the flash, uh -huh. and they left me. Okay. And thus... So they broke off with you, the students. Then. And thus, thinking they're going to go big time in New York, it never happened. But because it never happened, Leroy King became the most despondent. And the same thing with Frankie Lyman. You name any young talent, music or movies, in that era, when you outlive your worth, your usefulness, you don't know this as a young person. How come they don't want to see me again? I ain't cute no more. I don't have that high voice. So Leroy, of all the groups, really, really became, despite, I mean, seriously depressed at a very young age. And sadly, he was there for most of his adult life. In a depression? In a state of, why well, I could not get the, I only got to visit him once. Did he pass away young? Oh, no, he was like in his 40s, I think. You were talking about uh, Gus Gossert playing into a student's story. Was that later on with a... Well, that was uh, the 70s. Gus Gossert, that was it. Was, I forget which one it was, but that's why we came to New York. In 1971, February 11th, I'm So Young was in CBS's top 10 uh, doo-wop songs. Yeah. And they had a show go. It was at the Academy of Music. Yeah, that's where those shows were. Yeah. Yep. And it was fabulous. Uh, was Leroy in the group at the time? No, he, he was still, he had become institutionalized. I... Like okay. I said, at an early age. That's what's tragic when I think about it and I talk about it. I'm sorry. But uh, we came to New York to do a show at the Academy of Music, down on 14th Street. 
which became two or three iterations, the Palladium, the Palladium stuff like that. Right. And we did a show with Jimmy Ricks, who won his money up front. He cared, I'll never forget. Can I tell you the story? Sure. He had a gun <laughs> that he would use. Because a lot of times promoters put your name to get you in the, the crowd, mm. and they leave out the back door before the last act. Right. He wasn't having it. Yeah. He got his money. There was an altercation, but it didn't get big because we were trying to get our money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he, I think he was the biggest star. I'm not sure. This was in 71. Yeah, 1971. So everybody was as big as they could be at that time because we were still oldie groups. Right. And it was, uh, oh, it was the Skyliners. Jimmy Beaumont was there. The Fleetwoods. The students, of course. It's a couple other groups. So it was, Gus Gosser did a second show that we did. And this was at, I'm thinking it was Radio City Music Hall. I think it was Radio City, which was another biggie. The third one we did was with Bruce Morrow. CBS sponsored it. Mm -hmm. But in those three or four times, that was the dying days of CBS doing doo-wop. Right. They changed their programming. You want to know about Gus Gossip? Well, yeah. I, can yeah. we go into that a little his, bit? His line was the curly-headed, I don't know if he said curly-headed curly white boy. No, curly-headed kid in the second row. Yeah, but he made emphasis that he was into a music that it didn't seem like the other kids of his, you know, his, the young kids of the, because doo-wop, rhythm, blues, hard to believe now, Yeah. what was the race music? Mm -hmm. In oh, his yeah. early days, Billboard even had a listing, race music. And it was Jerry Wexler that came up yeah, with that's what I'm telling the you. term rhythm Did I not blues. mention Jerry earlier? Yeah. yeah. You're, you're speaking to, I don't know if I should say this, but I know about as much, I know more about this than the Pope knows about prayer. I said mm -hmm. that before, but yes. who cares? I've you're heard gonna, that somewhere. You're going to edit not sure it anyway. Where. But yeah. no, yeah, but no, Jerry, but you, you see, Jerry and the Erdogan brothers, they didn't only like the music, they knew the music. Yeah, they, they, they knew the people. See, a lot of the groups today, and a lot, of, they want the there was money only, but they went down to Mississippi, Alabama, Ohio, Cincinnati, because a certain DJ or a distributor, like Mel said, we got these kids and they got this song, and oh, <clears throat> this was so young, <clears throat> and they sent it to uh, Phil. And he, he loved it. And at that time, there were no slouch. They had hundreds of you know big, big records. Yeah. But they thought So Young would do, was, was good. You were talking earlier uh, <coughs> when we were first chatting about Fortune Records. You brought up Nolan Strong and so on. Out of Detroit. Mm-hmm. The Mota City before it became Motown. Yeah. But one of my all-time favorite records was The Wind by Nolan Strong and the Diablos. His favorite here, too. And Andre Williams had this crazy, in fact, I think it was his only hit, Bacon Fat. Mm. And, it, 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 and that's the way the business was back then. For instance, back then, you didn't have to look a certain way. You could be fat. I'm, no, no offense. No, no. Wait, wait, you, wait, you think No, no, fat? no, I'm talking about when you... <laughs> no, no, not you. I'm wait, hey, I see that. You're pointing at I, me. I'm, I'm giving you some history. In that, <laughs> in those days, the artist's sound was important. 
In other words, like Big Mama Thornton, yes. Big Maybell. Mm-hmm. Can I get a, I'm a, you know, yep. I wasn't. I'll throw this water can at you, Miriam. <laughs> I may have to call you three, the three M's just so I don't have to call your name. Just call me Big Miriam. No, I'm not going to. Of course not. No. I did not. Get it over with. Yeah, get, yeah. Okay. No. All right. Okay, so, um, you know, basically with the students, uh, you know, two records and, and, it, and it's over. It's a tragedy. I, you know, they had a long, long the, life, obviously, the, the, even today. like The, the students... You know, at this time, around the 60s. Yeah. And I, I, I bear some blame in that I wasn't, I didn't have the resources at the time. Yeah. Didn't know what I came to know years, a little, little later, just from King and James Brown. But at this time, Mr. Sears, I forget his first name, he had them under contract. Yeah. What happened, uh, once the break happened, what happened with you? Did you stay? You stayed in Cincinnati I, for oh, a while. I stayed in Cincinnati in the music business. And the, and the Herman Brothers opened a nightclub called the Living Room, which was very, very big. It always made the news when artists appeared there. So I got to meet Stevie Wonder, Duke Ellington, Jimi Hendrix, so many great stars. But unfortunately, old Mr. Dense, I took it in stride as opposed to really getting into meeting all these people, getting phone numbers, getting contacts. I didn't follow Pitching up songs. And stuff. Right. So what did you work at after that? Uh, did you continue to work for... Uh, I managed groups. Okay. What and groups? I had a group called the Celestial Jewels. Oh. They were about ready to sign up to something big, but I, the company was mobbed up, and the owner was killed a few laters, months later in a drug deal. Oh boy. They'd gone bad. And this group could have been big, big, big. The song was So uh You only have one, you only he only made one. And the other side was if you don't, somebody else will. Every time I got hooked up with somebody, to my my great regret, the individuals weren't like on the way to big things. They were at the biggest thing. And I didn't have the Insider to realize. I worked with uh, you, the studio. You ever heard Quad Studios, Mark? Sure. This is where, uh, where Tupac was shot mm-hmm. the first time. Uh, Gonzalo, Lou Gonzalez owned the label. We had a really, really big possibility of doing it. This is where the song was recorded, incidentally. But there was all kinds of other turmoil. And it's just it's a whole other story. But I'm telling you the story, so maybe someone will hear it and not make the same mistakes. Okay. I, I meant to ask you earlier and uh, neglected to, with the songs that you wrote with the, for the students, did you have inspiration for those particular songs, or were, yes. did you just write them as um, good funny, songs? Funny you should ask. Okay. That's a good question. All right. And this is something I, I only wish that still today through Facebook, I could find a young lady, well, she wouldn't be a young lady now, Patricia Pearson. Ah. She was sitting in front of me in our class, and I wrote the song about her. My Vow to You? No, no, I'm so young. Oh, really? Because I would play, you know, we'd talk, child talk, whatever you call it at that time. Okay, Patricia, if you're out there. <laughs> Get in touch. Well, Get in touch. I would love to, and she could, since I'm still here, she could still be here. Sure. 
Did she ever know that? That's no, she never did. I never got to tell her because uh, I never even seen it after I got out of school. And uh, also, the song wasn't released for years later. It wasn't the song was written created at that time in school. I see, but it didn't get into the sphere till years later. Wow, only we, a few years later, but nevertheless. We were talking about how every day of the week kind of was a pretty heavy duty precursor to uh, the Bristol Stomp. Well, Ashley. And that's another thing, again, as Billy, Billy Crystal would say, don't get me started. Oh, okay. Because they recorded Out of Feeling on their little label. I wasn't a little label, but the same kind of people we've been talking about. So I don't know who's still alive, so I don't want to say things. But I don't know if they stole the song, heard the song, or how they got into that sphere. Every day that we came out long before Bristol Street. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty bold similarity there. I should be getting could have gotten royalties from them. Who were your favorite artists really at that period of time that that possibly inspired you? Actually, not any particular. Definitely was not Frankie Lyman. I love I liked all these uh, Long Anthony. Uh, I never met Frankie Lyman, but I became good friends with uh, Long Anthony. I'd see him at the casinos and wherever you and what have you. But it was not so much that I had in this, because at that time, think of that era, the doo-wop era, unlike the, the, those that came after, what would be the inspiration for the students at that time? The only one I knew was maybe the schoolboys and Frankie Lyman. Right, but I just meant in general. Yeah, right. Like not but necessarily to, to young me, To inspire me to write and want to do it mm. was everybody. Because mm-hmm. there was the Isley Brothers, Otis Williams and the Charms, mm-hmm. the Endeavors, mm-hmm. They were quite, and the drivers, these were groups, local groups in Cincinnati, that recorded for King. A girlfriend 
Tess, we wanted to thank you so much for stopping in and giving us a real great breakdown on what happened with the students and your involvement and writing great, great songs, what was going on in Cincinnati and the Midwest before you hit the tops of the charts. It took a while. We didn't realize that. And the songs still continue to resonate today and forever. And can I just inject a thought? Sure. Yes. <clears throat> As you were playing, I'm so young. And <clears throat> in the end, which says, ah, oh, and they do the high. Mm. Everybody that ever does it, that's the part that they loved most to try to get. Mm-hmm. When he, <clears throat> pretty soon now, I'll go before he does. So I just want to inject the thought that all the versions, and there are dozens and dozens and dozens, almost every version has, don't have all the right words. Because <laughs> it sounds like they listened to the record and didn't understand it. Right. And they sang what they thought they were saying. Because at the end it says, pretty soon now I'll go to sea. Then my pretty baby will have seen the last of me. Listen to all this. Nobody says that. <laughs> well, I hate to tell you, but I didn't know that he was saying, I'll go to sea. Nobody does. Yeah, no, I didn't know that either. I thought it was sleep. I know, everybody, yeah. And, and that seemed kind of... So, Stop and think. Unless you're planning on dying, you know, we were calling go to sleep go to sleep when it made sense. Right. Yeah. I it mean it, it's, it seemed like a tough line. Oh yeah. go to sleep. Pretty see. soon now I'll go to sea. Then my pretty baby will have seen the last of me. But uh Ronnie said, a lot of people said different things. But because to this date I guess when you're doing a song and you're not in the studio with the writers producer You'll say what you think they're saying. What do you? What do? You, how do you feel about uh, the the different versions of the song that have come out subsequent to this? As long as my lawyer calls me periodically, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> At least twice. And has a check with your name spelled correctly. <laughs> right. <laughs> as long as he doesn't mistake the name or the amount. Right. All right. Twice, Thank you. So twice a year. Okay. Thank you so much, Prez. Thank all of you. Uh, Mark, Matt, and Miriam. Got him. Yeah. <laughs> Do not ask me to repeat. No, I'm only kidding. Okay. But uh, it was a, it was a pleasure, our treasure, and never try to measure. Thank Get you so much. Get out of my way. Will my dad fix you? Get out of my way. Will my dad fix you? I'm going downtown, dance to that rhythm and blues. Hey, a little girl, coming out tonight. Hey, 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 little girl, coming out tonight. We're going to do the boogie woogie, yeah, till broad daylight. Eat your feet on the floor, eat your feet on the floor. Started on 
my toe, knocked on my heel. Turn round and round, I heard somebody squeal. Get way back, clap your hand. Do the camera walk until you meet your man. Keep your
Cocoa with the no, a cocoa with the shade, a cocoa with the no, a cocoa with the shade, a cocoa with the no, a cocoa with the shade, a cocoa with the no, a cocoa with the shade. She had black hair and ruby red lips, and when she smiled at me, I almost put the Cindy Lou. And every man would call her name Cindy Lou Ooh, Cindy Lou Ooh, Cindy Lou A cocoa wick, you know A cocoa wick, you see A cocoa wick, you know A cocoa wick, you see A cocoa wick, you know A cocoa wick, you see A cocoa wick, you know A cocoa wick, you see A cocoa wick, you know A cocoa wick, you see Blue was fine, the show was fine about to hear is true. Maggie, 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 Maggie. One sweet little gal, Maggie was her name. Maggie used to work, what a working dame. But Maggie doesn't work, Maggie doesn't work anymore. Work, 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 work
I got it made, cause I'm living the life of Maggie. Maggie made a fortune, Maggie doesn't work Sandos on the Star X label out of Detroit, and I mean really. The Frisanzos? Yes. I don't know what a Frisando is. Okay. I have no idea. The Platters did Maggie Doesn't Work Here Anymore on Federal, one of their early records. Mm-hmm. And the Chimes did Zindi Lou, Zindi with a Z, on Specialty yes. from 1955. The Morocco's mm-hmm. did My Easy Baby on United and the Jewels started that set and keep your feet on the floor will do and that was on Imperial alright so what do you got for us Miriam we're going for some ups and downs with the elevator operator let's go Oh, 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 oh,
Well, if you don't stop, you better stop. I miss What do you make of that? Here I make. What do I make? <laughs> yeah. Hairnet. Well, I just, you know, music with a message. Yes. 
Yeah, indeed. Okay, look, we had a, a motley crew, not the motley crew, but a motley crew of records there to spin of all different variations, starting with Elevator Operator, one of my favorite tunes of all time. I always think about that when I'm in the elevator, thinking about that countdown. Hmm. XYZ Records. Oh, the Rays. Oh, you love them too. I know that. Dodger by the Blenders is one of my favorites. I played it before. You know that. And you enjoy it too. Right, Mark? Right. Playing it on what you call fan club release on Pompadour from Buffalo, New York, featuring a fellow with a great big Pompadour. Yes, and I think it was only reasonable that we should play Hairnet after that. I I don't think that there's any argument that a man with a hairdo like that that's approximately a foot and a half high would probably require the hairnet as told by the Five Peaks. Oop, in between that, you know, that tilt record, you got me going. Love that loping sound of the Sultans and guess what? What? I had two copies and I gave you one. You're so good to me. I know, see? All right, go ahead. You play something good. Ah! Whisper in your ear 
Oh, one more time, I said, now what you gonna do when your baby comes back home? I said, now what you gonna do when your baby comes back home? I'm gonna nail up the window and lock the door. One more time, I say, now what you gonna do when your baby comes back home? I say, now what you gonna do when your baby comes back home? I'm gonna nail up the window and lock the door and never let my baby leave again no more. I say, hey, yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. Crowd 
on Chance and Ooh Rock and Daddy from 1954. The Cordells featuring the best performance by a bass singer ever in the history of mankind (laughs) and the beat of my heart on Bargain and they were out of Philly. Yeah, Arthur Lee May and the Crowns did That's What I'm Gonna Do and that was on Dig, but it wasn't on Dig because it was not released. Oh, he must have been playing baseball on that day. Yes, exactly. And the Pretenders started that set, and I've got to have you, baby, on Rama, featuring Jimmy Jones, who went on to a solo career. We're going to go on to some material that we're going to make you say,
Open your eyes. Yeah, the Seminoles. Look, this was a set of what you might call a seminal record. What? A seminal record. It is a seminal record. Well, it's on the Goji label, and one of the most magnificent spooky haunters that you'd want to get out of Michigan. The rest of the stuff is some unusual material that possibly caused you to go running for the medicine cabinet for pain relief. But that's all right. I hope you got it. Because we started off with Wicked Ruby. Oh, look, Danny Zella, one of the major league legends of the Michigan scene. Those Zellrocks mean business with that saxophone going right over those bleating vocal essences going bleating on. Bleating is right. <laughs> it's like they're bleating along. Yeah. Oh, how magnificent is that? And on probably my number one most favorite animal label ever yes it's fox not red fox just plain old fox it's got that crazy looking you know canine animal up there with his sharp teeth and his funny nose fox records look for it if somebody would like please paint that on a t-shirt and mail it to somebody who cares all right look (laughs) yeah okay anybody in particular i can name one so look here Promenade, one of the top labels in music collector. No? Oh yeah, big <laughs> yeah. big label. Yeah, this big is, labels. This no is, expense spared. No, it's a 45 extended play record that sold for exceedingly small amounts of money. 49 cents, I believe. Oh yeah, because why? Because they were covers of because records. Because they care. By unknown people. <laughs> but this is kind of cool because it's bacon fat. Andre Williams. Oh, bacon fat, like. Jack Brown. And, uh, you know, what? No. Uh, but uh, at any rate, it just happens to be a coincidence. That's what you call something that is known as, what's it called, Mark? A coincidence. That's it. Okay. The Wind. Yeah. By the Calbays. Featuring Gino Romano. <clears throat> now that... The Gino Romano? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know what to say about that. It's on... The comma label, which their slogan is, apart from having quotation marks that face the wrong direction (laughs) for a proofreader's nightmare, the quote that they have that associates them 
with their excellent product is separates the best from the rest. I'm not sure how you could take that. But we do enjoy having the common label aboard. It's a Michigan effort, and anything from Michigan gets high marks from us. Why? I, God knows why. Look, play something that's not from Michigan, okay? Okay.
Oh, 
Travis Grant and the Downbeats. What's and their story? I have no idea. All right. And you did me wrong on the Sarge label. Oh, yeah. And before that, we heard the Five Campbells and Maureen, which is spelled M-O-R-R-I-N-E. It's the only time I've ever seen Maureen spelled thusly. I object. And they were so named because they lived in Campbell Village in West Oakland, California. And the label Music City was based in Berkeley. And the Paragons did So That You Will Know on Winley, which is like the apex of New York doo-wop. Oh, yeah. And that set started with the Star Tones and Forever My Love on a Rainbow. Okay, look, the Collegians. I don't know how many different Collegians they are, but this particular Collegians, let me tell you people, take a good listen to this. There's something about this record that is so alluring and enticing and empowering. Okay, just listen. When Grandpa was young and in his prime Wasn't fast, always took his time, I know Grandma told me so Now Grandpa is old, he's a lover still
in that James, flirting with Lee, look in your eyes at every man you see, calling up Paul, writing to Pete, making everything sound so awful sweet, you my double dealing baby, yeah you my double dealing baby, you my double dealing baby, but I want you to deal with me, yeah. Last night, a quarter to one, I'm telling some joker you had so much fun. Waking me up, squeezing me tight, telling me daddy everything's alright. You my double dealing baby, yeah you my double dealing baby. You're my double dealing baby, but I want you to deal with me. Last night, a quarter to one, a telling some joker you had so much fun. Waking me up, squeezing me tight, telling me, Daddy, everything's alright. You my double dealing, baby. Yeah, you my double dealing, baby. You my double dealing, baby, but I want you to deal with me. Street. Hey, hey. Let me tell you about the get you me. Yeah, a boogie boogie teenage. Yeah, a boogie boogie teenage. Well, I got that boogie down. They really go down. Well, I saw a fine chick with long black hair. The way she boogie, man, you should have been there. She's a boogie boogie teenage. Ooh, boogie boogie teenage. Boogie boogie teenage. Boogie boogie all night long. I gave a call hey. The cat said, wait a minute, that's my broad yeah. She's a boogie woogie teenage Boogie woogie teenage Boogie woogie teenage Boogie woogie all night long Yes, yeah, she's a boogie woogie teenage Do well as That's my hand. She's a boogie boogie teenage. Boogie boogie teenage. Boogie boogie teenage. Boogie boogie all night long. Let's go now. Boogie boogie teenage. Rock. Boogie boogie teenage. Pop. Boogie boogie teenage. Swing. Boogie boogie teenage. Jump. Boogie boogie teenage. 
But we started off with something that wasn't all that pretty, but so pertinent and, oh, wow, it's the Collegians. Look, Grandma told me so on post. Who knows about that record? Who knows more about the Collegians? Look, if you know anything about the people who did Grandma Told Me So, please get in touch. We need to know more about them. The Collegians were ready to start a fan club and put them back together and get them on the road because people are demanding the collegians. Look, then we went on a little bit of a, a three-way tour with Dutone. Why? Because we love them. The West Coast, oh, it's so crazy good and everything on Dutone is super, super, super duper, uber duper great. We played with Double Deal and Baby by the Souvenirs. Whoop, that's a good one. And it's sister record, Boogie Woogie Teenage by the Meadowlarks. How much more could you possibly demand? Oh, look, we already... That's how much more. <laughs> okay. Well, we top, we toppled off that... Toppled off? Yeah. We toppled off that trio of insanity 
with a magic record. Yeah, and what else is it? The Magic Mountain. Vernon Green and the Medallions. Oh, it's a mutual favorite over here on Duto. What do you say, mister? I say mm-hmm. that I agree with you. Thank you. And that is the end of the show. And thanks to Prez Tyus for being here. Oh, yes. For the Thank first you, part of our show this evening. It, he was pretty great to oh, have yeah. around for telling some amazing stories. Yep. But we got to go because there's nothing shaking, baby. So we'll see you next time. All right. There's nothing shaking, baby. So stop your hitting on me. Me, baby, I've been on the square until I found out you really can't help that I'm loving, shaking, baby, so stop your hitting on me.